Well, it is a sunny day. I just got my hair cut, and you know what that means. I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. And so now I think it's time to put on some smooth jazz. There we go. Maybe not so loud. Okay. And get to something I've been meaning to do for a long time, and that is to answer questions from listeners. Thanks to all you guys, and I have to say very, very thankful for all this, that uh, we're now over 10,000 listeners. We're actually a little over 11,000 listeners as of today. And so over this time, I've gotten a lot of questions, and I figured I'd answer them for you. So let me pull up a list here of some of the most commonly asked questions and see if I can't satisfy your curiosity. So uh, first question I have here is, where are you from? Okay, so I'm from New York originally, upstate New York, uh, the city of Rochester. That's where I was born, and that's where I grew up. Went to school and everything there. After I got a little bit older, I ended up uh, doing quite a bit of traveling worldwide, backpacking Europe, uh, South America, all that good stuff. And I ended up living between New York, Rome, Italy, and Ecuador for a while. So that's kind of where my background is with all that. Okay, next question. How long are you going on vacation? <laughs> okay, so this is a, a question based on a misunderstanding. Not not your fault, listeners, at all. Of course, uh, it's my fault. I probably should have uh, explained a little bit more. Uh, I actually went on vacation for about two and a half, three weeks uh, back in May of this year. So this is 2023. Um, me and my wife, we started in Ecuador and then went to Europe and then ended up back in New York. And that was only, like I said, two and a half, three weeks total. And so what ended up happening was as we were going from city to city, I would find some information that I would want to use for the episodes based on the cities where we were, and then record the episodes, record sounds from the cities, if at all possible. And I guess I'll get into that a bit later. And uh, only started to actually edit them and upload them when I came back to the States. So yeah, I have not been on vacation for the last four months, five months. Okay. Where do you get the information for your shows? Great question. Great question. And again, this is partially my fault. I know that a lot of shows that have information as their base, a teaching show of some sort, that typically they will list their sources somewhere, either uh, on their blog or somewhere else. I typically don't do that just because I've never really been asked to. And I think part of it is because the information I present isn't all that important, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, like, for example, if somebody's talking about, uh, I don't know, political policy, racial issues, things like that. I mean, sure, I understand why people want the sources there. In my case, no one's ever asked for them, really, because this is just kind of for fun. If you guys want me to start listing my sources, I'd be more than happy to. Um, it just hasn't come up yet. So yeah, but that's something that we could do in the future or even have it as a as an extra feature. I've seen other podcasts do that. Um, but typically speaking is there's the idea for the show. And so the general ideas for the show, I could be reading a book and something just happens to, to interest me and I want to do some more research into it. Uh, frankly, a lot of times I'll be on social media, you know, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, and someone will post interesting things and I'll do some more research into that. Or in the case of Delicious History on Vacation, a lot of times you just talk to people and you get interesting information. 
And again, uh, that is the the spark, but then I have to go and do my own research. So, of course, I'll just open a bunch of books. I have a lot of books about food and history. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff like on Audible. I know Audible has not sponsored me yet. Yet. I'm not closed to the idea of Audible sponsoring me, considering how much of a part they play in the show. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And so, uh, yeah, and that's because so, I don't have time to read, you know, hundreds of books. So I'll just, as I'm working, doing my other stuff, I'll, I'll listen uh, to books on Audible, doing it that way. And then, frankly, if it's a very obscure topic, so for example, probably the most difficult topic I had to do was that on the episode of the Saffron War. There is just so, so little information for things like that out there that I just, uh, I would search the web, but I would always make sure not to just go on some like guy's blog from, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, I would go on university websites and things of that sort. So at least the source itself was reputable, even if sometimes the information might be a little light. I really try hard not to use information that I can't verify somewhere else. Not to say that I, I don't use like Wikipedia or things like that, but that's never my primary source. It's more of like my beginning source. And then I go from there to see if I could verify the information and perhaps expand on it. What was the inspiration for Delicious History? Okay, actually, this is one I'm very happy to share. <laughs> so the inspiration for the show comes from the fact I was working with a client one time. I was uh, producing a podcast uh, for, for this particular client. And we uh, started producing it and put a lot of work into it, uh, had guests, did all kinds of things, but it just really wasn't getting that many listeners. And so, you know, he was kind of upset about that. I mean, obviously for, for good reason. But then I said, you know what? It's not necessarily that it's a bad show, but the fact that it's just not that popular because the topic is not that popular or that it's too popular, meaning that there was a lot of competition in that field. It was like about general health news, and there's like a million podcasts about that. So I told him, listen, I bet you that I could start my own podcast and make it about something that I personally find interesting and give it the same amount of effort, and I can do 10 times better than your show. And, we, and he said, okay, bet. And so I got the idea for Delicious History after, you know, thinking about it for a few weeks and I you know, got everything together, started the show. And literally my first episode, I had probably 50 times as many listeners as uh, as he did for his show, just to prove a point, <laughs> which I guess is a good reason as any. What do you do for a living? Yeah, so uh, I don't do this show for a living. I you know, I'm far, far away from being able to do that. Uh, we do have a lot of listeners. You know, we're up to, like I mentioned, more than 11,000, which is outstanding, but still not self-sustainable, you know, as far as that uh, podcast thing goes. So yeah, I'm an audio engineer and I am a podcast producer. I've been doing that for a while. And also a large part of my professional career, I've been a writer. So that's why I do my own writing and I do writing for other podcasts as well. Yeah, so writer, I guess primarily for length of time, but then audio engineer and podcast producer mostly. Now I'm about 95, 100% podcast producing. Also do voiceover work, books on tape. <laughs> books on tape. Tell you how old I am. Uh, audiobooks. So do that sort of thing. 
Next question here. Who is your audience? Uh, that's another great question. Well, you, because you're listening. And if the statistics I get are any indicator, you are probably a woman. Uh, <laughs> actually, ironically, I get the statistics and I say, wow, I have a lot of female listeners uh, on, on, the, uh, on the stats there. So, I mean, I didn't really think I'd be doing this for men or for women or for anybody, you know, any in particular. I just thought just, you know, whoever would be interested in my stories. Yeah, so in some cases, like, the demographics would show sometimes between the ages of 18 to 34, 100% of listeners to the show are female. Not always. Sometimes, you know, the, the I guess depending on the episodes I put out, it'll change. Uh, as of right now, about 75% of viewers, or about 75% of listeners are female at any given time. But it's just, you know, kind of interesting that it kind of worked out that way. So, hello, ladies. Also, I hear a lot of people like to fall asleep to the show, <laughs> which is not, it's not a bad thing. When, when people started saying that's why they listen to the show is to help them sleep, at first I thought, well, what am I doing wrong? But then I realized, you know what? I like to fall asleep to podcasts also. So that's uh, kind of an honor. So if uh, you are falling asleep, good night, ladies. The <laughs> Yeah, my wife's thrilled whenever she sees those stats. Uh, yeah, so there's that. But also education. Uh, obviously, people who listen to the show are interested in learning. But also, I've noticed that people, especially ones that reach out to me, are in the education field. So either these are going to be educators themselves. We have some professors, school teachers, also people in the education industry. So people who uh, or administrators uh, for schools and universities, people who uh, create courses for other teachers or just educational courses in general, as well as those who teach other teachers. So that's pretty awesome. It's always nice to have people who, who like to learn. What equipment do you use? Okay, that is a great question because I have a lot of equipment. I, I, again, as an audio engineer, I have a lot of equipment that I use for myself and for clients, but also I buy equipment specifically to use them because a lot of my clients are remote. And so I don't necessarily go into their recording space. Uh, and so because of that, sometimes I'll buy equipment just to use it and understand how to use it so I can help my clients. Now. As a result, I've actually ended up changing what I use for actual recordings. So instead of using the Shure SM7B, I'm actually using the MV7, which is kind of like the USB version of it. Well, XLR slash USB version of it. And I love it. I would say it's a, about a quarter of the hassle of the SM7B and about 95% of the quality. So that's what I use a lot for, actually, as I'm using right now, for more... I guess you'd say professional, but more like, uh, like for example, when I do audiobooks or other types of recordings like that, I'll use the condenser microphones, like I'll use my Rode NT1. Also, I'll use, like on the Rode, not Rode, R-O-D-E, but R-O-A-D, uh, when I'm on the road recording, like when I was in Europe, I would actually use my Sennheiser shotgun. And uh, that worked out real nice because it has a wonderful sound to it but it also uh, isolates 
and blocks out a lot of noises you might get around you. So it works out wonderful. And then I'll either use my computer, uh, if I'm using a USB mic, like in the case of the MV7, uh, or typically speaking, I'll use a recorder like the Zoom H8 or H6 if I'm on the road. And that way get awesome quality sound with the microphones that we use. Why do you have gaps in your recording schedule? The reason being is because uh, we just get busy. Uh, this is a, a passion project of mine. I really like doing this. Uh, problem is when I do get sponsors, you know, obviously they, they have a certain schedule. They want things out at certain times. So that really is a motivation to get things out. But in reality, if I'm recording for other clients, for other projects, and or in, in front of a computer editing audio all day long, to be perfectly honest, the last thing I want to do is get in front of a mic and, and do the show. So really, um, I just have to take time in my schedule when things aren't too busy. And I don't want to do it just to be obligated because when I first did the show, it was a weekly show, but it got to be too much and I didn't enjoy it. So now having more of a staggered schedule works out pretty good, I think. But if, uh, you know, if you guys are dying for more, for more episodes, <laughs> let me know. I do get people reach out to me from time to time. If I end up being uh, more than a few weeks between episodes, I'll get some of you guys reaching out to me, kind of say, hey, what's going on? I need something to help me sleep. But um, yeah, hopefully things will become more regular in the future. But we have to make sure that it's going to be quality and uh, everyone's going to be happy and nobody is sad. Well, that will be it then. Thank you so much for listening. Again, all 11,000 plus of you. I can't believe that. Again, starting the show out as kind of just a bet to prove a point. And here I have over 10,000 people listening on a regular basis. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I couldn't be more happier than I am to have a way to release my random thoughts about history affecting food. I know my wife uh, is happy that I'm not bothering her as much about it anymore. So thank you so much. Tell your friends about the show. Don't forget to subscribe if you're not subscribed. Uh, like the show, like the episodes on whatever platform you use to listen to the show, and you'll be hearing from me soon. And of course, remember that we all write our own history, so make yours delicious. Delicious.